Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. Good evening, ladies and gents. Welcome to another sizzling and entertaining episode of the Inside Acting Radio Show. Tonight, my guest is prolific and outstanding actress Natalie Graves Tucker. Before I tell you a little more about her, I remind you to follow me on Instagram at William Powell 8796 and you can find me out on Facebook at William.T.Powell. Now, Natalie has worked in many Washington, D.C. area stages, including Theater Alliance, Studio Theater, Folger Theater, African Continuum, and First Stage. She is also the creator of BlackStageDC.com, which can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. She can be seen or heard in commercials such as the New Jersey Lottery, Audible.com, Booking.com, and training videos for AARP, FBI, and the U.S. Postal Service. Natalie made her film debut in the independent film Nocturnal Agony, starring Lawrence Hilton Jacobs and Vernie Watson. Her latest short film, Hope Well, comes out this year. She produced a YouTube documentary about her mother's ancestry DNA results that led to finding her mom's biological family called The Question of Sylvia. She is on the board for Story Pirates and a member of New York Women in Film and Television. Now, she has a B.A. in Speech Communications from University of Maryland at College Park and a Master's in Social Work from Howard University. Natalie is married to Melvin Tucker with two teenage boys, Khalil and Matteo. She divides her time between New York and Maryland. You can find out more about Natalie at uh, www.natalietucker.com and Twitter at Nat Underbar Tuck. And last but not least, she's going to be appearing off-Broadway in the play called Face Divided by Edward Allen Baker. Uh, The venue there is called Under St. Mark's Theater. And for more information about that, down to twelve seven 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 six zero eight eight. So I see that Natalie is on the line, and I'm going to go ahead and bring her on the air. Good evening. <laughs> Good evening. You did your research. <laughs> Always. Thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. So I knew that you were a brand uh, steward at AERP. So walk us back and describe the day you left your good job at AARP. <laughs> that day, huh, that day was uh, two years ago, uh, two years and some change. I had um, gone for a promotion and didn't get it and, you know, had the opportunity to stay in the same job that I was in or I could leave. And, you know, I talked it over with my husband and, you know, we said, you know what, it's time to go. And I was able to walk away with, you know, a nice severance package, my bonus, uh, all my vacation and walking away on my own terms. I mean, I didn't burn any bridges there. So, you know, I could still come back and and do some consulting work with a with, you know, my 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 job at the time. 
And I said, well, you know, it took about three months by the time I knew that I was going to leave. So I found this out in November, but I didn't really leave until January of, of 2016. And um, in that three months, that's when I started, you know, meeting with people who were acting full time because I had never, uh, I said I would never be a full time actor. I remember saying that because I knew so many people who were struggling actors and doing had side gigs and, you know, were trying to make it work. And, you know, I had children, so I needed to make sure we had insurance and things like that. So, you know, I've always had a paycheck every two weeks, and I'm, like, getting ready to go out on this thing. Yeah. And since I had been acting in D.C. and Baltimore for about 10 years, I said, let me see what I can do in New York. So that's when I started interviewing full-time actors and was like, how do you do this? Who do you meet with? Who do I need to talk to? And, you know, it's 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 scary to come from D.C. where, you know, I had a good reputation and I had great, you know, gigs doing industrials and training videos and voiceovers and theater to go to New York where everybody is here in New York and, you know, the small fish, big pond thing. And so when I started talking to other actors about what they do and who they met and who were their people, you know, that's when I just started creating my network. Yeah, yeah, and that that it's very very time consuming, which leads me to my next uh, question: How do you make sure you have enough time for your family? That's the thing. Well, my children now are sixteen and eighteen, so you know, two years ago they were fourteen and sixteen, and of course, if they were younger, I wouldn't be doing this. Um, so I really, I mean, be, you know, making this decision and talking to my husband and talking to my children it is a it didn't start out like it was right now two years ago it was okay I'm going to go to New York maybe once or twice a month I'm stay on somebody's couch and you know I'll be here for the family and do what I can do I started my own business so I can do some consulting contracts while I'm in DC and then I got a manager and then I got a couple of agents and then the one to two times a month turned into one to two times a week. And then it turned into two to four times a week. And then I was up here every week and I was staying on somebody's couch every week. And then the person whose free couch I was staying on said, Oh, I'm moving to Florida. And I'm like, wow, that's my free couch. So (laughs) because (laughs) I was up here so much, uh, uh, somebody I had understudied at Folger Theater eight years ago was looking for a roommate. And I just needed a place to leave my clothes for auditions because I was always on the bus bringing clothes. And sometimes I'd have two or three auditions a day. So trying to find in New York, okay, where do I change clothes? Where can I go to the bathroom for free? Where You know, different kinds of networks like that. And then when she said, hey, I have an apartment, I can give you a closet. I can give you your own bookshelf, a desk, and a dresser. You just bring a bed. And, you know, and I was like, great. So I've been coming up every week, and I come home to Maryland every weekend. And it's like every and, – and I'm and I'm like, okay, it'll, I'll be home for a while. But, no, I end up having uh, auditions mm. every week, which, which has been great. I mean, when I talk to other actors, they're like, that's that's good. Booking begets booking because I counted last year, I had 110 auditions and I booked wow. 30 gigs. 
and the people tell me that's good. And so, I mean, the people I have, like, you know, I freelance with a couple of people, so they keep getting me stuff. And then I also still have stuff down there. So I just did something with the Kennedy Center Friday. So when I have gigs in D.C., I will allow some time to stay with family. If there's a uh, – when football was happening, my boys were – well, our, were, one was and one and one still is. When they were in football, I did tell my agent, you know what, hey – I need to make sure Fridays are open. So don't book anything Fridays or I need to leave by 12 o'clock so I can catch the train to be there for my son's JV game at four. So I don't want to miss any milestones, but it is good that one child does drive. One is learning to drive. So my husband doesn't have to worry about the drop-off pickup thing. But whenever there's a question of home, they know to call me. They still FaceTime me. My husband, my husband can be in the house, and they will call me and ask me what's for dinner. You know, so <laughs> we are still talking all the time. My my son has an after school job, and I just want to make sure he's home uh, by a certain time. You know, he's driving at night by himself, or in the morning. My husband goes to work, so I make sure that they get up in the morning. So I'm still constantly with them all the time. So I have my phone with me all the time just in case they need to get in touch with me. So, yeah, yeah. we make it work. <laughs> Mother's work is never done. <laughs> Absolutely. No, not at all. And they and they come up here, too, every so often. You know, they like staying in my little apartment. All of us have been in this <laughs> this one-bedroom apartment. And, yeah, they yeah, we, we make it work. You know, this is kind of an offbeat question, but <laughs> – you go to New York so often. Do you own stock in Megabus these days? You know what? I reached out to Megabus. I sure did. I have had <laughs> so many um, experiences that I used to write about them on Facebook, um, bus adventures that something crazy would happen to me all the time on the bus, whether it was mm. boat bus, whether it was Megabus. And I said I have so much content that I could create a web series. So I I did just the other day. Matter of fact, you, it's so funny you asked me that, way. The other day I reached out through social media to Bolt Bus and to Megabus and was like, you know, I have an idea for <laughs> a a web series of some sort and, and would love to talk to your, you know, I don't know who it is I would talk to, but, you know, who could I reach out to? And Bolt Bus was the one that wrote me back and gave me, uh, 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 you know who I could chat with. So I was like, yeah, because you know, there's right. a lot of people from DC that come to New York that make that trip back and forth. Not just me, but <laughs> I don't know if they're doing it as often as me. But there are a few that come back and forth from DC, DC to Philly, DC to New York, and that bus, you know, the mega bus, the bolt bus. However, is yeah. And I, I've been trying to reach out to them for a sponsorship. So, you know, you you might hear something about that one day. <laughs> nice. Very nice. you got to keep those those uh, opportunities coming. So Why talk not? about the those. What's that could happen? That's right. That's right. Now, when you go <laughs> up there, what, about, what kind of classes do you take up there? Well, when I first came up two years ago, my first, my niche has always been on-camera work. Yes, I did theater. That was great. But when I came up here, I'm like, you know what? I know my lane. I'm not competing with the Broadway people because I'm just not there yet. Let me know. Let me <laughs> stay in my lane and do what I know best, and which is on camera and voiceover. So 
the first class I took here was an on-camera commercial class with um, two casting directors. And it was a three-week class, and I was coming up, you know, once a week uh, from Maryland to go to this class and, and go back home. And at the end of that class, they brought agents, and I signed with an agent like that next day after the last class. And, um, but these two casting directors, now they know me and they remember me because one, I was the oldest person in the class. Um, I was only, was I the only African-American? I might've been the only African-American in the class too. So, you know, I kind of stood out. And so, you know, I brought something different. And um, so I took that class and then I've taken some other classes um, about, you know, scene study with, you know, like the actor's green room and some various classes through them, um, TV and film, how to, you know, do those types of things here. And I've, I've taken a class with Stella Adler to get some um, sense memories, so, you know, get some more acting techniques in my toolbox. Yeah, absolutely. I would take a right turn into uh... – Selfies with Natalie. How did that get started? Oh my God, <laughs> that was <laughs> that started at a Helen Hayes Awards. I want to say maybe five years ago. I mean, it might it might have been longer than that, but it was a Helen Hayes Award, and I used to be a Helen Hayes judge, and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't really like. You can't. It's it's like a secret society, but without being a secret, you can't really like. You're, they know you were Helen Hayes, but I couldn't like tell people I was. You know, I can't. I couldn't uh, be on Facebook like, yeah, go see this show because you know because we, I might have voted on it. So, but I went to Helen Hayes Awards, and you know, at Helen Hayes, you know, everybody knows everybody in DC theater. So I, all my right. friends were there, and I just started taking selfies with people, and. I just I just said, okay, selfies with Natalie. And I think that night I took like 30 pictures. So 30 selfies with Natalie's, you know, just kept popping up. And then anytime I went somewhere, if I went to a show, I would take pictures with the cast or with, you know, at least my friends in the cast. Or um, I had a job at AARP where I worked um, in marketing. So I worked what we called infotainment. And so we got to work with a lot of celebrities in trying to attract African-Americans to engage with AARP. So I got to work with some celebrities like Blair Underwood and Donnie Simpson and Stephanie Mills and Kim Coles and various people like that. So I would take selfies with them and call it selfies with Natalie. So people were like, oh, so this, you know, you get famous people in your selfies and regular people in your selfies. Oh, I want a selfie with Natalie. And I was like, oh, this, I mean, you know, and now I have my own lighting on my camera. And, and when I, and everybody's like, oh, we got to get a selfie with Natalie now. So it's become this thing that I really didn't plan on it being a thing. But yeah, everybody's like, oh, we got to have it. So I'm like, yes, I have my own hat. Because people are like, oh, do you want me to take the picture? No, 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 no. I have my own hashtag now. So <laughs> and I take the picture and people are like, yes, I finally get my selfie with Natalie. So yeah, and then I turned it into Dawn Ursula gave me this idea of turning them into videos where, you know, I've, I've just been having this wonderful experience coming back and forth and having so many stories of the struggle and the journey and the happenings and the successes and the, you know, failures of what I've been doing. 
And she was like, well, why don't you take a snapshot of the selfie and just turn it into a video about, you know, what you're feeling that day or what the journey was like or something. And I was like, that's a good idea. So I have on my YouTube channel some selfies with Natalie take some rants or whatever about, you know, like a bad audition or, you know, because I want to show the journey that I'm on that it's not all great. Yes, I do get some bookings. That's wonderful. But I have been, you know, there's some failures. There's some stop and start. There's some times when you don't have a paycheck, you don't know when the next one's coming. So, yeah, I didn't know Selfies with Natalie was going to, you know, turn into some stuff. Yeah, you never know. You never know. <laughs> exactly. So describe your involvement in Story Pirates. <clears throat> Story Pirates, I, I'm going to tell you, okay, Laura Haywood, her Twitter handle is Broadway Girl NYC. And two years ago when I was doing my research of how do I network with people in New York, how do I, you know, what classes do I take, what actors do I meet, I had wanted to start Blackstage, and I didn't know what to do, how to start it, whatever. And she, Laura Haywood, every year for her birthday, which is actually about right now, every year for her birthday was if you donate a certain amount of money, like, you know, I'm raising funds for Story Pirates, and if you donate X amount, you know, I can give you tickets to a show. If you donate this, I can actually go to coffee with you. If you donate this, I can get you a playbill. And I was like, I'm going to meet with this person because what she was doing here in New York is what I wanted to do in D.C. So I was like, I want a consultation with, with Laura to, you know, teach me social media. What what do I? How do I grow Blackstage? How do I... Because I didn't want – it wasn't – she her her platform is she interviews a lot of Broadway talent. She goes to the shows. She's not a reviewer, but, you know, she does uh, interviews and things of Broadway stars. And I'm like, I want to do that, but in D.C. Because there's so many – there's so much theater in D.C. that, you know, I want to highlight what's going on in D.C. So um, she – this was two years ago. And she was like, you know what, I want you to come to this benefit with me. And it's the Story Pirates benefit. And I'm like, sure. And she was like, we're looking for some new board members. And I really think you could add something to the board. And my my skill was multicultural marketing, and it was like maybe helping them with some marketing to, you know, find more diverse actors or, you know, helping with their marketing when they're doing some various marketing things. So I ended up joining the board probably – yeah, last year, and um, they are a great organization that takes kids' stories and turns them into full-blown professional productions with actors here in New York, and there's choreography and lighting and costumes and music. I mean, it is just very professional, and it's just, oh, it's just wonderful, and they get to do them in the the schools here in the area. Um, It's here in New York and also in L.A., and then there are some tours that happen around the country. But they also have a, a podcast because there's so many stories that are submitted and they can't be turned into a full-blown production or turned into a book, which they're doing some of that as well. But um, they are some that go on a podcast. So there's a podcast that people can listen to 
uh, of the kids' stories, and it helps teach them writing skills and, you know, some confidence in, in writing. Yeah. And every story gets written feedback. We call it story love, and, and I volunteered to do that too. Every story gets feedback, I mean, specific feedback about their story. Like, you know, thank you so much. Please keep writing. I really love the fact that you talked about the cricket in this, you know, in the sunshine or something, you know, and it gets specific feedback, and we get volunteers to work in doing that. And we just had the benefit uh, this last weekend in New York, and L.A. was the weekend before. But it is just a great organization to, you know, connect my, you know, marketing with my acting, you know, things. That's awesome. That That's really, really good for those kids. So I want to dig into some of your actual work. So now you got to tell me about Hope Well. It seems like you play a dream-killing mother in that one. Talk about that role. <laughs> um, it is a like a 10-minute short, and my daughter in the play wants to be an actress. And um, her boyfriend, you know, is really helping her to, you know, fulfill her dreams. And I, at one time, wanted to be an actress, but obviously I ended up getting pregnant and my dream, you know, went out the window. So uh, my daughter is trying to go to an audition and I'm like, this is just, you know, this is what your father did to me. You're, you know, Mm. don't do it. And, um, yeah, and it's just me seeing what happened to me, and I don't want it to happen to her. And so, yeah, it it was a – I played a mean mother, which uh, <laughs> uh, is a stretch, actually. <laughs> <laughs> My son actually watched while we were doing it because, you know, I had to smoke in it, and that was the first time, I, you know, I had smoked, and it was just, you know, it was, it was a stretch. It was a stretch. <laughs> I have to say. But, yeah, it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. And and to see how, you know, people do independent films here in New York. And so it was my first uh, film here in New York. Yeah. So, and, you know, I've got a good network of people. And hmm. the uh, producer, director, you know, he's just cool people. And he's helping me with my reel. And so, yeah, and uh, R.H. Bless. He's just a gifted writer and director and everything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, how, how was it different up there from D.C.? Well, you know, for me in D.C., the only thing I did was um, more industrials. And then I did mm-hmm. that one film, Nocturnal Agony. And that was so long ago, I had like three lines, and then that was it. This was like, you know, here as an independent filmmaker, I mean, he is the one who had to get his – his, you know, his crew, he's, he worked with his lighting people, his, his sound people. He knew who he wanted to work with, you know, renting the brownstone in Brooklyn, getting the makeup people. It was just great to see the professionalism. Not to say, I'm not saying, like I said, I, I wasn't involved in the process in D.C. I just showed up, did my lines and left. Where here I got to, like, see, I mean, I sat down with him when it came to the script. And he was like, hey, are there any changes? You know, I, I mean, I was involved with, like, from the beginning which was, you know, great. He was like, you know, what do you think about this ending? And and what if you said this? Or what if you did it this way? So it was really um, an involving process with uh, the director here and who the director was also the, the, you know, 
cameraman too. So he, he was he knew exactly what he wanted to see. And, you know, when you, you're, you're, and he's like, you know, Hey, and I know how I want it done. And I know, you know, when I want it done. So he got things moving really quickly. And my son actually got to watch from behind the scenes that whole day. We spent like a whole day in a brownstone in Brooklyn. So it was great to see that up close and, and be involved like the weeks before, up, you know, before. Exactly. Exactly. How did you get involved with the Phillips collection? Oh gosh, that was, um, that was a while ago. Jacqueline Lawton, who used to be like the premier dramaturg in DC, moved to uh, be like an associate professor at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, I believe. And she had put out some, she became the artistic director for a uh, the migration series where a lot of um, uh, playwrights were asked to develop a short piece based off of a painting in, in the migration series about when the African-Americans were moving from the South to the North. And um, she, I'm like one of her people that she asked, hey, can you be in this reading? And I'm like, sure. So at the beginning, it was just a reading. It was me, Craig Wallace, J.J. Johnson, Nori Artrati, um, and oh my God, I'm, I'm blanking. It was some, oh God, I'm looking right in his face. But it was it was like five of us, and we did the um, the first reading at the museum, the Phillips Collection itself, in front of like you know, I don't know if they were donors, but you know, as part of the Phillips Collection. And it was directed by, oh, my God, why am I forgetting all these names? Derek Goldman. And, you know, they were just various readings. And then she sends us something later in the year and was like, hey, the people want to actually film them and keep them, you know, in the archives. And it was like, oh. So we went for a full day and was able to um, – film them, and now they live on YouTube with the Williams Collection, and, I mean, the, the Phillips Collection, and uh, yeah, they were, they're in their stage readings, and, you know, we, um, they, they, they were some great stories that were written by some local playwrights um, there, and even Jacqueline Lawton had written one, her, one herself, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah, it sounded like a lot of a lot of talent was there. That that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So now, mm-hmm. I've seen your I've seen your commercial work, and I was quite simply blown away. How did you perfect the art of smiling and delivering all those wonderful lines at the same time? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Which one are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, you know I, I I have been doing like commercial and industrial type things for at least 12 years. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, I, and it's, I, I actually changed how I've done it since I took that first on-camera commercial class. And um, it is before there's a difference between presenting and there's a difference between like, talking like conversational talking and I mm. just, I have this and, and that's what the directors and producers are telling you now is that 
commercial, you know, people don't want to be talked at. They want to be talked like, you know, like you're talking to me. Talk or you're with. talking to me. Yeah, like I like if I'm selling you Tylenol, I want to feel like you're really talking to me, not like it's a commercial. There you you know, it's just they they really want it to be you. And so before I remember trying to turn on that professional voice, if you know what I mean. And right, when right. you listen to Queen Latifah or Will Smith, they talk regular. They talk like they're regular. And I do have a Southern accent, so I try to hide that a bit. But I've, I've been getting the parts where they're like, you know, be you, be you. There's one time where I got a role because I added a line. And he's in, and I, the line was, it was a booking.com commercial. And the line was book it. And the, in the audition, he says, okay, you are standing over a woman's shoulder. You know, you're on the Metro. It's crowded. You can see her phone and you want, you see, she's, you know, trying to decide whether she should book it. So look over her shoulder and tell her to book it. And so me, I'm like, how would I do that? How would Natalie do that? And in the audition, I was like, book it, girl. And, <laughs> and they just laughed. And he was like, and, and, and he was like, you know what, can you do it more and do it more audible? He was like, I just loved it. And I was like, oh, well, if it's a crowded train, I'm not going to yell. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a whisper. He was like, you know what, you're right. And he was like, I need to, be, I need to do more audible. So I, I did it again. I was like, okay, girl. And he was like, oh, my God. I'm, he was like, that was just so good. And he was like, you know what, can you go back to the line and just say book it? And I was like, oh, absolutely. Said book it. I get the call, and I see the director, and he was like, you know what, out of all the people that came in, you were the only one that changed the line. And we remembered that, and that's why we gave it to you. And that's what I, I learned in my class was that every time you go to an audition, they hear it the same way or the way that you think they want to hear it. But if you mm. add like a do something different that shows your personality, I don't know whether it's adding a word, a sigh, a, a stutter, I don't know what it is but do something that's naturally you. And so I just started doing that, and it's like and, – and, and then I leave it there. I leave it in the room because before, you know, years ago, I'd be like, oh, my God, if I don't get this job, what does that mean? Now I'm like, okay, i got to go on to the next thing, and I'm out. So <laughs> I've been right. able to bring my personality, and I don't know if you – I mean, you know me. I'm always smiling all the time. I'm always happy. I always right. choose to be joyful. So I guess that comes through, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Smile will get you a job. Smile will get you a job. So, Natalie, I want to uh, make a left turn into um, something that's near and dear to your heart. Um, now, I know that you uh, you had your documentary that you, you created, uh, Question of Sylvia. So how did that come together, and why did you decide to make it? Um, Well, okay Finding my mother's ethnicity uh, Was a a choice That my mother and I Because we didn't know What her ethnicity was So that was always curious to us So I said, okay Let's find out Had no idea it was going to lead to finding her biological family Now My mother, you know, has been She was adopted at four She was 66 at the time, so when I got the results, 
I had them. And my mother lives in, you know, Virginia, and I was in Maryland. And I ended up talking to her brother, like, that next day. And he, he sent pictures and everything. And I was like, this is something I can't do over the phone with my mom. I have to go to her house and, you know, do this in person. And one of my sorority sisters is a documentarian. And she's like, Natalie, you just have to set up a camera just to get her reaction. And I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. So I do. (laughs) And, I mean, I'm just doing it for, like, my purpose, just to keep, just to have it. I had no intention of turning it into what it turned into. And I had been, you know, sharing on Facebook along the way with, you know, with my Facebook friends that, you know, this is what's happening. We found her family. And I had captured so much video that I was like, okay, maybe I could do something something with this. And I was in Las Vegas, and I was doing consulting with uh, a sorority, with AARP doing some uh, consulting work. And while I was in Vegas, people were like, okay, when are you going to tell us what happened with your mom? And I'm like, okay, I just can't. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like I could just write it. And I was like, well, maybe I could use this content and turn it into like a video. And that's when I learned how to do iMovie for the first time, seriously. And <laughs> <laughs> seriously, I learned how to do iMovie. And I was like, I can't put this all in one video. Let me just cut it into like two-minute snippets. And I'm serious. I just literally was like, let me put a teaser out there and not say what her ethnicity is or what her family looks like and just make it two-minute snippets. And when I put the first one out there, people were like, oh, my God, when's when's the next episode coming? And I'm like, in my head, I had no idea what the next episode was going to look like. I didn't know, <laughs> didn't know what I was going to make. And remember, I just learned how to do iMovie. So I'm just learning how to do some transitions. I'm learning how to do voiceover. I'm learning how to do, put a picture within a picture. And I'm like, I really need a professional to do this, but I'm in Vegas working. So everybody is like, okay, when's the next episode? So I would put out another episode. Then I'd put out another episode, and then I'd just – by each each episode, I learned something new, and I ended up making it like five episodes, and the final, I called it the mid-season finale, because <laughs> we had known that we were going to actually meet with um, the family. So I was like, okay, when we meet with the family, that'll be like the part two of the documentary. So in between... Those episodes, I, you know, I, I re, regrouped my YouTube channel because I hadn't been doing YouTube like, you know, I should have. And I had um, learned how to do YouTube stuff. And then I went to take a class with DCTV on how to be a producer. And DCTV has some great classes on, you know, editing, video, production, I mean, just classes that I need because I wanted to take this documentary to the next level. So I've been working with DCTV on taking the content that I have um, to create this, the next documentary that I'm going to do with, uh, uh, with my mom that shows I interviewed each of the siblings one-on-one that she met. I interviewed my mom, you know, how she's feeling after she's met all of her, you know, new siblings. 
Um, I interviewed the cousin that we did with on Ancestor DNA and how we both came together, you know, in this whole system. And, I mean, I have so much footage that wasn't aired on ABC World News Tonight or Good Morning America or People Magazine. So I have so much that I'm like, okay, it needs to be more than just iMovie editing. (laughs) So I am working with DCTV to help, you know, create. And I'm thinking it can be like a 10-minute and my executive producer is like, oh, no, this is going to be like a 30-minute, at least a 30-minute <laughs> piece. So I had worked with them on, you know, I, I brought two cameras down there and, you know, I had some yeah. still footage and some regular, you know, camera footage, phone camera footage of different things. So I I don't know when that's going to come out, but I'm I'm work. I have all the footage. I need to create the script, and I, I want to be the – the narrator of it myself because, you know, it's my piece. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I didn't expect it to be uh, what it was. And because of that YouTube thing, because of that sophomoric effort, you know what I'm saying? People have seen it. People in Canada have seen it. I've been on a Canada radio station. Um, There's so many – I get comments every so often. It was like, this story is so – you know, inspiring. It's caused me to want to do the test and find more out about my family. Even on Facebook, my friends were like, oh, this has been inspiring. And my mom's now a celebrity now because this the whole thing went viral. And, yeah. uh, you know, people want to, you know, find out more about their family and, uh, you know, through the, whether it's Ancestry DNA or, or some other type of thing. But it's Ancestry DNA was even following me and, and retweeting some of my stuff that I was uh, putting out there on social media. But I, you know, it was it felt good to be behind the camera. So that's why I went to DCTV and, you know, started taking some producer stuff. So, yeah, it's fun to create behind the camera as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So we're down to about uh, five and a half minutes. So how do you keep your instrument tuned and your energy up? Uh, you mean like every day? Yeah, because you just <laughs> do, you're, you have your finger in so many pies. I mean, you have so much energy, and you then you got to keep your, you know. <laughs> I, you, I, you know what, I... You know how some people have to have coffee every day. I don't. Yeah. I wake up like this. I and I don't. I I can't say. I don't know what that is. I, my grandmother. I was raised by my grandparents, and my grandmother was a retired teacher. And my grandmother, when I was five, I said I wanted to do ballet, and she was like, "Okay." And so there was a white ballet school in the rural town that I was in. So my grandmother worked with other parents of my friends and created a ballet school for us, for black kids, and would get white teachers to come and teach us from the Tidewater Ballet and created a, a ballet school, the Emporia Greensville Cultural Arts Association, that still exists today. And it was ballet, tap, jazz, you know, baton. I said I wanted to do piano. My grandmother would bring piano teachers in the home to me and my best friend, and we would go to different houses and, and learn about So my grandmother would be like, you want to do what? Okay. All right. I'm, I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. And so I I grew up with that, you know, with that role model. My grandmother played for two different churches. So that was like years later, it was like that was her side gig because I she would play the organ and I would play the piano, and we played for a couple of different churches. 
And it was like she always had something going on. That's what kept her young. Even though she had stopped teaching, here I was, you know, (laughs) here I I am coming. She needs to keep me occupied. And so I've always seen her as like, you know, she always had something to do. So I'm like, I got to have something to do. I, I was just meeting with an actor today, and she was like, I can't believe Oh my God! You're like in your forties, and you you have kids, and you're doing it. And I don't know how not to do that. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Because I'm not getting a steady paycheck right now, so I need to work how I'm gonna get some money. To I have a child that's getting ready to go to college. I can't sit and wait for the auditions to come. I've got to like work and make something happen. And if it doesn't work, yeah. then let me try something else. So, yeah, I've always been this way. Always been this way. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. What would you say is their personal motto? Why not? <laughs> okay. Why not? <laughs> That's good. Absolutely. Why not? I mean, I'm always like, what's the worst that, that can happen? But, yeah, why not? I mean, you know, wow. that's why I'm always like, take a risk. I mean, it's, oh. I am at the happiest I have ever been in my entire life right now, and that's because I am in control of my life. I am in nowhere making the money I was when I left my 20-year job, but, oh, to have the freedom to do what I want. And, you know, yes, I'm still struggling, a struggling actor, whatever you can call it, struggle, but it's fun to hustle. It's fun to make your own content. It's fun to, like, be in different pots. It's like... Oh, nothing like it. It's peace. It's just, yeah, nothing like peace. Amen to that. Amen to that. Okay, so we're coming up on the end here. So just throw out any uh, websites you want to throw out, anything you want to promote. Oh, I mean, you know, I have my website that I don't probably keep up to date, but um, natalietucker.com is my website. Um, but I'm also on Nat Tuck, Nat underscore Tuck on Twitter. Natalie Graves Tucker on Instagram and Blackstage DC is also Instagram and Twitter. And we do have a website that, you know, I have to keep up. I have some, I have a musical theater correspondent an opera correspondent, a, a university correspondent and a youth contributor. So there's different things that we're doing uh, with Blackstage DC. Uh, we just came out with the video for Ford's theater, um, and I have a YouTube channel, uh, Natalie Grace Tucker. I, I, it's not called Natalie Grace Tucker, but if you search Natalie Grace Tucker YouTube, I have some content on there. You'll see the question of Sylvia there. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned for some more stuff. Well, Natalie, I enjoyed speaking with you tonight. It was a pleasure. <laughs> it was a pleasure talking to you, too. <laughs> Thank you for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. We'll do this again. All right. Take care. Okay, have a blessed night. You too. Bye-bye. All right, folks, I'm going to leave you with a couple of songs. The first one will be In the Dark by Terrell Coleman and then uh, Love Bounce by Showboy Musica. And I remind you to do something for your career every single day and break a leg. And thanks for listening.
I give this shorty one time, shorty told me, say, she no go let me go. And if I give you two times, girl, I swear, say, you go still for more. I be not juju, you they use where they make me, they won't come, they dance, feel it. Give me that fire, girl, I push Panamera, I go buy it for you. So I say, girl, love bounce. Can't give me that love bounce. Shaping a hot love bounce.